a high fly to right. High drive. This is tagged, going back and back and back. High fly to Hammer to the gap and left side. At the track. At the track. Way out of here. High and deep that to was right. Hit a ton. At the wall. Going back. At the track. This ball's getting to small. This is going to go to the rock pile. This is White Sox Weekly. I think we're ready come this offseason to take that next step and, and head deeper down the path towards competitiveness and ultimately winning championships. The proverbial window has begun to open. That's deep into left field. The Chicago baseball conversation. And all goes deep again. On the flagship home of the Sox. It is gone. 720 WGN. Big show today, White Sox Weekly. Five to six. WGN Sports Central coming up at 6 o'clock. My name is Mark Carmen. Kevin Powell's going to join me at 6, take you till 10, and White Sox Weekly right now. Big show today. Michael Kopak coming on. Caught up with Sir Kopak at the Sox convention. We're going to play the interview today. Also, a little brief chat with Nick Madrigal, who's certainly going to be an interesting piece to the 2020 White Sox, and uh, we'll also Hit up Tim Anderson on the show today. Scott Merkin, MLB.com, on the program as well a little bit after 5.30. Pitchers and catchers are reporting this coming Wednesday. That is four days. Very good. Curtis Koch is producing the program. Excellent. Curtis, would you like to guess as to how many days until opening day? Because I have Uh, it right in front of me. 35. That would be 47 days until March the 26th when the White Sox tee it up with the Kansas City Royals and the season gets going 47 days away. And, of course, our first spring training game right here on 720 WGN. That is two weeks from today. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim believe they have a manager by the name of Joe Madden. White Sox and Angels uh, coming up two weeks from today. Now, the big question going into the season, right? Who is going to be the second baseman? I know there's a million other questions, but that's really the only question as to what's going to happen on opening day, right? Will Nick Madrigal be here? Will it be the odds-on favorite, I would say, Leury Garcia? And then Danny Mendick, 116 at-bats uh, last year, coming up from AAA, played all right. So I, there's another uh, perhaps uh, opportunity there. But uh, Nick Madrigal turned 23 years old, uh, will turn 23, I should say, coming up on March the 5th. Nick Madrigal struck out 21 times in 628 minor league at-bats. That is beyond great. That is phenomenal. That is outstanding. Nick Madrigal in 612 at-bats in college at Oregon State, 37 strikeouts. So, You don't know what you're going to see from a guy right until you actually see it on the field, but those are some pretty impressive numbers that you would think this guy is going to put the ball in play. Now, he's not going to hit a bunch of home runs. He's got 12 in his entire baseball career, but he does spray the ball around, 34 doubles in the minors, 40 in college. He's got 11 triples. He's got some speed. He's got 43 stolen bases, so he's going to run, and he plays a great second base. All that I find really exciting. Like, is is he a top-of-the-order guy who doesn't strike out and runs and plays great defense and is a spark plug? Wouldn't that be awesome to have at the top? Maybe somehow paired with Luis Robert? But we'll see. It could be Leury Garcia, who played all over the diamond last year. He only played a couple of games at second base, two of them. But 
He also played some shortstop, so if you can play short, you can play second. Not the easiest thing to do, but maybe it'll be Leori. But it seems like the White Sox are open as to who will be starting at second base to start the year. I also, of course, you know, the bigger questions, of course, is are the White Sox going to pitch? Will Lucas Giolito be what he was last year? Can Dylan Cease take a huge step forward? Same thing with Ronaldo Lopez, who struggled in the first half last year. Can Dallas Keuchel come over here, be a rock in that rotation? And then can Gio Gonzalez, can you squeeze something out of him? Maybe he's pitching out of the bullpen later in the year when Carlos Rodon comes back from Tommy John. What will Michael Kopech look at the start of the season? Will he start in the minors? I think that would be the guess, that he would start at AAA. Let him ease into the season. Don't put a ton of innings on an arm that's coming back from Tommy John. These are questions that the White Sox are going to start to answer. Again, pitchers and catchers reporting this coming Wednesday. We're going to hear from Michael Kopech coming on up here. Sox fans, single game tickets are on sale now. Be here for it all and watch us change the game in 2020. Get your tickets at WhiteSox.com. And Sox games are also better with the group if you have friends. Congratulations. It's never too early to lock in your 2020 group package from a diamond suite to a pregame patio party. We've got the perfect space for your occasion. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com or call 312-674-1000. Quick timeout, and then Michael Kopech coming on back here. Big, big piece for the 2020 White Sox and beyond. And Michael's always willing to talk on the field and off the field. Huge offseason for him. Got married, all of it. Michael Kopech next, 720 WGN. Pick 10 plans on sale now. Get ready for the 2020 season with this flexible and affordable ticket plan. Pick your games, your opponents, your schedule with lower-level plans starting at $205. Visit WhiteSox.com to pick your plan today. Mark Carmen with you. White Sox Weekly. Till 6 o'clock right here on 720 WGN and WGN Sports Central coming up at 6 until 10 tonight. Let's get into our conversation with Michael Kopech, caught up with him at SoxFest. And, yes, he's coming back from the Tommy John. So, Michael, how are you feeling? I'm feeling healthy, man. It's good to see you again, first of all. But uh, I'm really uh, just glad to be back. I'm glad to be coming back to a team that's ready to compete, you know. Crazy off season for you. We got uh, we got we got weddings. We got hair changes. We got rehab. Yeah. What when you're? Well, I guess what was the highlight? I, I'm assuming that was the uh, the nuptials. Yeah, you know, I, I have to say the wedding. You know, not because Vanessa's listening, but because that actually it was the wedding. Um, you know, it was just opportunity for us to get our families together and really um, embrace the coming together of two people. Um, and for me, that was very important just to be able to read my vows to her in front of my family. Um, but anyway, I can get into the details of that and I can get all teary-eyed another time. Um, but yeah, that was a highlight for me. And then obviously a close second was going to the Ronald McDonald house and getting to experience some time with those families and kids and, you know, getting the opportunity to do something bigger than myself. You know, I... I'm a little bit older than you, but I actually got married myself uh, November 30th, so I had to do, I had to do the vows too, and to actually sit there and do that, it's pretty damn vulnerable, right? Yeah, yeah and congratulations for that. Um, but yeah, no, it is very vulnerable. I think it's probably one of the most vulnerable times of my life is standing up there in front of, you know, some strangers and some people that I'm very close to, and just pouring my heart out. You know, that's. Uh, something that I, I don't do too much, especially as a baseball player. A lot of times we, cl- we keep that stuff closed up, um, but allowing myself to open up is just pretty freeing. And it was, it was a big moment for me. It's a moment I'll never forget. 
Yeah, and you know, you've talked about your your the mental health journey, whatever you want to call it. And I mean, I relate to just I think everybody can relate to just the day to day getting the energy right to go and do what you want to do and and then being what you were just talking about in the vows just being yourself i mean there there's that's like that's a process in itself right so just to learn how to uh even say what you care about right yeah um you know i, I think i had a had a long conversation with tim last night actually about in this game you have to be yourself you know um and we can go into it day in and day out and we can pretend to be comfortable and we can put the mask on and we can go out there and we can be the baseball player and do all that but at the end of the day if you're having to cover up who you are you're ultimately burying yourself more and more each day um, so I think really seeing Tim coming to his own shoes last year and really embracing myself this past year with the time off I'm looking forward to coming back and being myself and I know that's kind of off subject from what we were talking about but at the same time being myself I think is the most vulnerable I think it's that that part of me that doesn't need protection, that doesn't need the idea of, oh, this is who I am, so people don't look at me in a different light. You know, I'm just gonna be myself, and it doesn't really matter how people look at me. You guys get so defined by what you do on the field, and you're extremely invested in that. Right. But then there's this other part of you too, where, hey man, if I lasted two and a third and got rocked, you know, I gotta, hey, I'm still okay as a human being. Right, right, right. You don't want to be defined on what you do. You want to be defined on who you are. Um, how you treat people, et cetera. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we do have to go out there and compete. And there's probably a lot of angry people if we don't compete well. Um, but we can't hold too much value to that. Well, and it's it's fun though, though. That's the fun part. You get to go out there and compete and beat someone. I mean, that's right. that's sweet. Right. You know, that's that's why we, you know, choose to play a game for a living. Uh, it's, it, it's not about you know the money or the anything that comes along with it. It's because we get to play a game for a living, you know? We get to go out there and we, can, we get to compete against another grown-up that pretends that he's a grown-up as really a kid, you know? That's, that's what we all want at the end of the day, is to just kind of be free and not really have to grow up. So how do you, as a competitor, kind of, I don't know if it's holding yourself back, but just ramp yourself up so you don't put yourself in danger when you're coming back from an injury? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of ways to do it, but it's really managing workload day in and day out, and then managing workload over the course of, you know, a season. Um, and for the most part, I, I, I've really taken a step back on not doing too much. Usually I'd, I'd be doing extra reps in the weight room. I'd be doing extra throws off the mound. Um, but ultimately, that probably led to too much everything and may have led to my injury overall. Um, so taking that step back, being a little more patient, and really just being able to compete with what I know I have and not what I think I need more of is really going to be you know, the name of my game for a while. Do you, I don't know, feel like you like yourself before the injury? How close would you say? Um, I feel more polished. You know, I, I'm still, I still have the velocity if I want it, um, but I feel like I can pitch without it if I didn't have it. You know, um, obviously grateful to have the velocity. Then not everybody gets that blessing. You know, that gift. But I, um, I feel like I'm a more well polished pitcher, and I know how to pitch a little bit better than I did pre-surgery. Do you say, are you? Super focused on being on the opening day roster. How are you looking at that part of it? Uh, it's really out of my control, to be honest. I can do everything I can in spring. I can compete and I can, you know, put up zeros. And at the end of the day, it's still not my decision. Um, obviously, I would love to be there, and I hope I will be there. And because I know it's going to be a special team, and I would love to be a part of it. But if I'm not, then it's not in the cards for me yet. I'll play it out by year. Uh, let me rewind back to the start of our conversation. You mentioned Tim. How 
the conversation that you're bringing to the table, I mean, are you, how's it being, are guys coming up to you and wanting to have further discussions with it, or is it more, I, I guess guys are still staying in their own lanes about it? Because I'm sure everybody's got their own stuff going on, but it's, it's vulnerable to, you know, approach somebody and, and you know, and, and talk about it. Yeah, you know, I think for the most part, um, when guys want to talk about, you know, stuff on a deeper level, they want to talk about things that are, you know, are real outside of this game that we play, um, then they choose to do so on their own time. Um, I open up with people a lot because that's who I am now. I feel like I'm genuine and I'm authentic and I don't really have anything that I want to hold back. Um, but, you know, maybe not everybody wants to do that, you know, and I can't force people to want to do that. So I, I don't I don't try to I don't try to get people to talk to me about things unless they want to talk to me about things. And the conversation with me and Tim necessarily wasn't about mental health, but it was really about, you know, just being brothers between the lines. And um, I think, you know, we all have, like you said, very different backgrounds and upbringings and everything, but I think we would all go to war for each other every day between the lines. And that's what really makes that baseball bond special. Um, and then when friendships blossom out of that, then, you, you know, you can talk more into depth about things. That's probably really when this team will take off when, because you got a lot of guys who are trying to prove themselves and then you have the whole proving it together part too. I, I, I know in theory, like everyone's, hey, we're going to be a great team on day one, but that's probably something that's going to evolve for you guys. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be some meshing to go on, so to speak. Uh, I think we all know there's a lot of talent on this team, but how is that talent going to work together? Um, and that's really what that conversation was about. It's like, we need to make this talent work together. We need to, we need to be able to do whatever it takes for one another between the lines, and I think we're all prepared to do that. Nobody's really... You know, we don't have anybody that's scared. There's no scared cats on this team. You know, we're ready to go. We're, you know, doesn't matter who we're facing. You know, we're ready to go. Mike Kopech, great to see you. One more. What do you think of this slogan here, change the game? I know you guys are embracing it. I think it's awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think for a long time that the game has been one-dimensional as far as what people see about it. And I think we're just going to bring a little bit more personality to it. You know, it's going to be different for each guy on the squad, but we're going to show ourselves. Have a great season, man. Good, great to see you. Thank you. Appreciate it. So that was Mike Kopech at SoxFest. We're going to pick it up with Tim Anderson in a second here. Interesting that bond, right? Tim was so outspoken last year, and Michael's been stepping into that. And Tim was, you know, won the batting title last year, leading the team on the field, leading the team off the field. And those two being great teammates together, that can be nothing but good for the White Sox. Hey, this week on Chicago's Best, let's roll out the red carpet. The CB team is cooking up dishes from restaurants featured on the big screen, Chicago's Best at the Movies. That's Sunday night at 10.30 on WGN-TV. After talking to Michael Kopech, I segued over, only made sense, to go talk to Tim Anderson. I talked to Michael Kopech today, and he said you guys had a sweet conversation about coming together as, as brothers on the field. Is there is that a tr what? Tell me your side of uh, your conversation and how you're seeing it. No, man, that's just how you win. Uh, playing for each other, uh, competing with each other. Um, you know, I just tell them, man, when you take that mound, you know we got your back. Whatever it is, we got your back. Regardless, right or wrong, we got your back. Uh, you know, man, just more so just building it, building that bond and uh, confirming it. Then more so, you know. Leaving it up in the air, just tell them, like, bro, we got your back, man. We ready. We all in, and uh, we ready to go. I, I think it's cool that you guys have a teammate who talks about things off the field. Right. I mean, right? Right. I didn't have that when I was coming up. Yeah. So, you know, it's easy for me to give information now. I've been around a little bit, and, uh, you know, to kind of experience the big leagues for a few years. So, uh, 
I think it's easy to pass down that knowledge and, uh, you know, man, embrace the moment, the moment and enjoy it. Use your platform, man. You know, you ain't necessarily got to just use it on the field. You know, you can do you can do dope things off the field and have your own following off the field. Um, change people's lives. Just take advantage of your platform and, uh, you know, just use it to your best, the best of your ability. You've been doing that for a long time now, giving back, and I'm assuming it's come back to you too. Right. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, you know, when I do stuff, man, I don't. I get the bigger picture of life, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm down for you know putting smiles on kids' faces and uh, seeing people happy. I know I like to be happy, so uh, I think it's easy, man, to go out and put smiles on people's faces and uh, you know show them the love and give them love. How about all this talent coming around you now? I'm ready. We ready, man. They ready. I've been ready from day one, so to see these moves uh, is exciting. But yeah, I've been all in from since I got called up. Uh, Everybody talk about playoffs. That's been on that's been on my mind since I got called up. Uh, but yeah, I just got excited when you know when we add the new pieces and uh, you know I'm ready to work. I'm, I'm ready to go. Uh, I'm all in. I'm wherever they need me. Uh, I just want to win, uh, and I'm just happy to be in the middle of it. So a little birdie told me they came to you and some of the other Sox leaders at the end of last year and said, "What do you think of this slogan?" And uh, change the game. Yeah. You you were right there. Yeah, I was right there, man. That's. My talent, I like the marketing side of things and, uh, yeah, changing the game. Whether, you know, we're going to change the game with our energy, passion, uh, you know, by being me. And uh, I think I was able to be myself last year. And uh, I think this year I, I'm able to be myself a lot more. So, uh, you know, I'm excited. And, uh, you know, I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable. I know where I'm at. I know where I want to be. And that's here. Best thing that Tim, happened to Tim Anderson in the offseason? A lot of great things, man. I'm with Nike now. Uh, man, I'm love, still loving my family, two kids, uh, made a couple connections with people. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm always doing doing something. So it's always something exciting going on. We shooting for another batting title? Why not? <laughs> Why not? Why not, man? I did it I did it last year, but that's over with. So we got to do it again. We shooting for more than that, though. That ain't, I ain't worried about the individual stuff. It's called World in Series. Yeah, I want, I want the big stuff. I want something we can enjoy all together, not just for me. That was cool to have, but, you know. I want, a, I want a big rock on my finger, man. You feel me? I want that. So definitely all in, man. I'm, a, I'm ready to go to war with these guys, and uh, I'm there. I'm there. Whatever they need, I'm here. Who doesn't want a big rock on their finger? Tim Anderson on White Sox Weekly, always one of my favorites, super unique. Last year, hit 335. And just a reminder, in 2018, he was at 240. So it was a 95-point improvement. You don't see that every year. And I don't know if he can duplicate it or not. Nobody does. Tim doesn't either. But uh, he's, I love that he's willing to say, why not? I'll go for it. I'll go for it again. Another batting title. Let's see if uh, I can hit over 300. Uh, big season coming for Tim Anderson. I'm, I'm pretty confident in saying that. Hey, stay up to date on all things White Sox by signing up for the free White Sox blacklist. You get breaking news. You get prospect updates, special ticket offers, and more delivered right to your inbox. Visit WhiteSox.com slash Blacklist to sign up today. WhiteSox.com slash Blacklist. Coming on back here with Scott Merkin, MLB.com. It's White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. 47 days until opening day. That's right, White Sox and the Royals, March the 26th. Mark Harmon with you. It's White Sox Weekly. Scott Merkin has been covering the White Sox for a couple of seasons now for MLB.com, and he joins us now. Merck, good afternoon. How are you, sir? 
I'm doing well. How are you? When do you leave, my friend Scott Merkin? Pitchers and catchers I are report this Wednesday. I, tomorrow after tomorrow evening, I have a flight to uh, glorious Phoenix and then off to Glendale from there. All right, what's the number one story that Scott Merkin's going to be tracking once you touch down and get her going for season, whatever it is for you, year 2020? Uh, 18, actually, this would be. I, th I think it's 18 and 19th spring, something like that. I, awesome. I, I did some work for another outlet in one uh, spring training as well. But it's, I think, you know, there's so many there. You, want, you I mean, the, the biggest one is, you know, how good will this team be? You know, will it be an improved team? Will it be an improved team that can contend for the playoffs? But I think in terms of just spring training watch, because you're not going to know one way or the other, you know, spring training's records mean very little. I, I just want to see, you know, Luis Robert in action. Now, we saw him last year. He had some big hits just in his, you know, kind of limited role that he played in spring training last year as part of the big league camp. But now with the contract and with the opening day start, you know, in center field and wherever he ends up in the lineup, and all the raves you hear about from everyone who's watched him, everyone who's scouted him, everyone who's played with him, just want to get a look at what this guy, you know, can do up close and personal, knowing that he's on a different path now. You know, there's no question as to whether he's going to be in the major league roster or whether he's getting called up like there was last year. He is set to go and ready to join the White Sox and be a major part of that lineup. Let's read into the mind of Ricky Renteria, and will he put the full burden of, hey, Luis, you're a fast guy, you're a center fielder, we've been looking for a leadoff man, we'd like you to do it, or do you think he'll kind of ease him in, hey, why don't we hit you down in the lineup, get you comfortable, and then if things are rolling, we'll put you towards the top uh, when we see that you're having success? Yeah, eventually he could be the leadoff hitter, but I think Ricky's made that pretty clear already that you know it's not going to be right from the outset. Now, maybe something in spring training changes that mindset, but I would think that it's going to take a little while in before Luis moves to that top of the lineup. And, you know, I mean, he's a great talent. He's done that his whole minor league career. For I think, for, you know, for, from what I know of, there may have been moments where, you know, he wasn't. But I, I think you'll probably see him hitting lower. I mean, you could even see, you know, they, how they, the old days, like they, the double leadoff guy, you know, where you had the, the one and the nine hitter. So I guess it could start that way for the year for the, for the White Sox and Luis Robert. But, you know, I think he will he will quickly move his way up that lineup if everything that has been said about him. And again, I haven't seen him really at the minor league level. I've seen him in spring training and instructional league and that sort of thing, but that's about it. So it'll be interesting to see him, you know, now with this new focus coming into the season. But yeah, I would not say he's gonna lead off to start the year. Okay. I, I missed that he that, that Ricky had said that Mick. I might, I must be sleeping over here, Mark. I mean he, he he mentioned it at one of the press conferences, Mark, that you know, that he would he, he didn't say categorically he's not going to be my leadoff hitter. He just said like he did with, you know, Aloy last year and like he done, did with Tim Anderson, even though Tim won the batting title a lot of last year. You know, just kind of ease him up the lineup, let him kind of get comfortable before you kind of throw him, you know, to the wolves, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense. Look, you're, there's going to be a lot on him. You haven't played, you know, in, in the big leagues, obviously, and you don't have a, a zillion minor league at-bats either. Why not start him down in the lineup? But then that opens the question, so who do you have at the top? And Maybe that's not a huge deal, but the guy that hit there most last year was Leuri. Do you expect him to be the starting second baseman opening day? Yeah, you know, I, I, I do, and I think it makes sense to ease Robert in. And, and, you know, but the one thing I would say is that it, it's kind of torn one way. You know, I've had some people who say that it's tough to make your major league debut on opening day, which is what Aloy did last year, too, and now what Robert's going to do this year. But, you know, I mean, this is a different focus for the team as well. Now, again, Ricky said at, you know, his press conference before Sox Fest that if they don't make the playoffs, it's going to be a disappointment. 
okay, that's what he should believe, and that's what he should say without a doubt. You know, I think if they win 85, 86 games, whatever, that's still a 14-, 13-game jump from last year, and don't make the playoffs, it's still a good year. But, you know, gone are the days of just kind of, you know, develop. I mean, they're still developing, obviously. All these young guys develop right on through. But gone are the days where the wins and losses don't matter as much, and it's all about development. So if you think Robert is going to be that kind of guy, I mean, let him go. You know, that's why I think some people in the organization would have liked to have seen Robert and even Madrigal up at some point last year just to get some at-bats and get ready for this year. But I think right now, I mean, it's so early, though. I mean, pitchers and catchers, I'm sorry, position players don't even report to the 17th. I know Ricky's got an idea, just like I know Coop has probably mapped things out from, you know, the first day of throwing to the first game of the regular season, probably actually through game five of the regular season. But, you know, I would think Leary is the guy who goes up there right now. I know people have thrown out the name of Grandal because he's so exceptional at getting on base. But I would think, you know, just as a guess today, Leary, but I would say write that in pencil, pencil with a big eraser behind it because it could very well change, you know, four or five times during spring training. I mean, if if Nick comes in there, Nick is in Madrigal, and he has a great spring, and he's doing what he's done his entire career, college and, and in the minors, not striking out, playing a great second base, spraying balls all over the field. Let's say he hits, you know, 375 in the spring, which is possible. You know, Arizona, the, things do get inflated. That's a tough send down right there, I'm, right? I mean, if he's really doing it, because they could use that guy in a big way, and Leury slides perfectly into your utility dude. They want that eventually. Yeah. And if he's doing it in spring training, I'm sure there'll be a lot of pretty intense conversations, and Ricky, I would think, would want to keep him. Well, I got to say, and you probably believe this too, I mean, you know, I don't think the average is going to be as big a deal with Nick or any of these guys who might be on the, you know, there really aren't that many roster bubble guys, I don't think, going into this team because they're going into this spring because the Sox had such a productive offseason. But I think it'll be just, you know, they'll be looking for certain keys. I mean, they know Nick Madrigal can hit. They've seen him do it, you know, since he's joined the White Sox. He was fine last year during his short trip in spring training. So, yeah, I think they'll be watching, you know, to see how he handles things. And, I mean, I you know, personally, I think he could probably have been with the team last year. You know, he's that polished of a player. And it's funny, I did a story today about, you know, we all did stories on position battles, and really the only position battle for the White Sox is second base, and basically it's Madrigal, Danny Mendick, and Leary Garcia. And I will say that Rick Hahn said at that pre-Sox Fest press, press conference that Madrigal is, you know, right now a viable option at second base. But, you know, there are some more things that he's got to show them that they, I don't know if they didn't see in the minor leagues last year, but they want to see again from him. So, I, you know, I, I think he could force the issue. I also would not be surprised if he, you know, spends, you know, he wasn't, what do you have, 180 at-bats or something like that for Charlotte last year so. I could see a month or, you know, five weeks in, in AAA before he comes up. But, yeah, he certainly is a guy that I, I want to say the Sox don't have throughout their lineup, but I'm not sure how many in baseball have his kind of player. You know, he's a great right. defensive player, which is a, a thing the White Sox would benefit from, with, especially with Yomer Sanchez gone from the organization from second base where he won a gold glove. Good speed, great, you know, uh, contact guy. You know, what, 31 – like 36 strikeouts in, in his college career over three years and like 23 for in the minors. So really a guy that can enhance the lineup and give you a different look. And trust me, he will be the second baseman for the bulk of this season. It's just a question of, you know, when that – it's not if, it's when, basically, with Madrigal. Scott Merkin, MLB.com, with us here on 720 WGN White Sox Weekly. And I, of course, read your article at MLB.com about – the second base battle 108 i'm just gonna give you your numbers back here mark 118 at bats 29 games at triple a 
for Madrigal last year. That's not a lot. Uh, he struck out 21 times in 628 career minor league at-bats. That's nothing. And 37 Ks in 612 at-bats in college at Oregon State. I mean, these are this is a very rare guy, which is why he was picked fourth overall. Um, well, yeah, you know, one thing I was going to say is when I tweeted that article out today, I noticed a lot of people in baseball, not a lot, but a handful of people in baseball were responding and talking about what, and these are guys not even associated with the White Sox per se. They know of the White Sox, they know of baseball, but aren't, you know, on the staff of the Sox saying about what a great player he's going to be. I mean, I, I think people really know what they have in him. It was an excellent pick, just like, you know, Andrew Vaughn last year was a great pick by the White Sox. And I think he's going to be, I don't, I don't want to say difference maker as in he's going to come in and just single-handedly win games for them, but I think he's going to be a difference maker in terms of what he brings to that team and just his fit overall. We got a little interview with Nick Madrigal coming up here after Merck. Just Excellent. Two minutes with uh, Nick Madrigal as I caught up with him, but then my, we had uh, we segued over to Michael Kopech at Soxfest. But anyway, we'll, and we'll talk to Nick more extended <laughs> as the. Yeah, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a a free for all there during the media session, right? You you you, you grab one person, got to go to the next, and keep moving pretty that, much. Right. We we had a schedule with Michael Kopech. I didn't want to keep the the big hurler waiting. So anyway, when we talked to Nick a ton on the show, and and any and people have heard Nick Madrigal. There's nothing not to like there. Incredibly exactly. focused, and but I was I will say standing next to him, I couldn't believe. I'm five ten, and I had a good inch, maybe even two on him. So it's like you you look at a guy like that, you wonder how are you this successful playing a game on the most competitive level in the entire world, yet he's able to do it. Which is just, I mean, you look at baseball players and you think you look more like an accountant than somebody who makes tens of millions of dollars to play baseball. And Nick's one of those guys. Yeah, you know Andrew Vaughn. I was talking to him, and he told me that no, I don't. He said he wasn't sure if he was joking or if it was true, but he said. The day before uh, SoxFest, that, that Thursday night when they had some sort of, you know, ticket holder event, Harold Baines mistook him for an intern. <laughs> right. And if you look at Andrew Vaughn, when he's not hitting line drives all over the field or getting on base, he does look kind of like just the guy next door, right? I mean, you don't look at him and say, like, I mean, because he's another one who's not like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, but then again, there, I mean, the Sox had a guy, Adam Eaton, you know, who was listed at, what, 6 feet, 5'11". He was not 6 feet or 5'11". And he's done very well for his career. So I think it's just how you go about it. It really doesn't matter the in the long run the size of it. And Madrigal has figured out and Vaughn is in the process of figuring it out. Right. It's just a weird thing in baseball. I mean Mark Burley doesn't look like uh Michael Kopech, for instance, and yet uh right. he, he had a pretty decent career over there. Uh Scott Merkin not too bad. Yeah, it's not too bad. Scott Merkin MLB dot com with us here on seven twenty WGN. Uh who's the opening day starter, Merck? Lucas? Oh, I think that's got. I think it's got to be Giolito, right? I mean, I, all due respect to uh, Mr. Keiko, who's had a very nice career, but I mean, you know, Giolito was the guy who was the number one guy for the White Sox last year. Worked so hard in that off season after that, you know, really rough. I mean, you know, to the point of brutal 2018, which he would admit overhauled everything, overhauled his mechanics, his mindset, and just his focus on every day in between starts and. I just think he's the guy, right? He's the guy, not necessarily you developed, but who has come up in your organization and showed to be the number one guy last year. And, and also, this is a very minor thing because, you know, it's one game. It's kind of like hitting leadoff, right? It's one game out of 162. But he's very good against the Royals. Now, again, he would face – he would be either the one or two starter, right? So he's going to face the Royals either way in that series. But I think it's got to be – you know, I don't know if you agree or disagree, but I, I think it's got to be no, I, I do. I do. I just want to throw it out there because you know that if you ask we, Ricky on the first day of spring training, he's not going to – I wouldn't think he's going to say I, Luke's. Maybe he will. Maybe he will. But, I, think if you ask, I think if you ask Ricky on March 
18th. I'm throwing that out there because it's my birthday, so everyone can remember that. It's actually that's an off day for the team. I think if you ask Ricky on March 15th, he still won't tell you. I think it'll be the you know you, he has been prone to go you know deep into kind of and they know. I mean the guys for the most part know where they're going to go. So like I told you, Coop is very meticulous in how he lays this stuff out. You know. Just because you can't just go haphazardly and have a guy work here and work there, you line it up for the season, right? But yeah, I think it'll be probably public, you know, like, like a lot of teams do later later on in spring training. What another thing that Ricky won't tell you, and I don't think anybody with the White Sox will tell you, and maybe there's nothing to tell at all. But what's going on with Nolan Arenado, Scott Merkin? Nolan Arenado is a third baseman for the Colorado Rockies. And where did this <laughs> that, rumor? That, why did that, this rumor start? I know pretty much, and I, I don't. I mean, I don't see that changing. I, I just I. I understand the whole hoopla and all that, but no, I think he's he's a third baseman for the Colorado Rockies. So, Merck, I'm gonna you can be Rakan for a second. I will trade you. I'll give you Nolan Arenado. I want back Nick Madrigal, Dylan Cease, and a, a couple of minor leaguers. You doing it? I mean, I, I think I would guess, knowing the little I do about the Rockies, that the ask would probably be even higher than that. But so so what do you, I mean? They moved Yoan Moncada over to third base last year because they wanted Yoan Moncada at third base. You right. know, it wasn't a prelude to Manny Machado or anything else. He was going to third base defensively. Uh, they love Yoan Moncada third base. Now, don't get me wrong. Noan Arenado is maybe what the the best defensive player of our of the last twenty years. I mean, overall, I mean, he's that good. So I'm not. It's not like they're putting some you know poor guy in there who they just found playing rec league or something like that. He's a great player and he's a great hitter obviously too, but yeah, you know, I don't think they're actively looking for third base and they like, I mean, I, I guess if you traded Madrigal, you'd have to move Moncada back to second again, but I, I think you'd keep Madrigal. Now again, it's apples and oranges and Arenado and that kind of thing. He's such a great player, but I think the Sox should be very happy with what they have and I, I just, I don't buy those rumors. I, I understand we're being hypothetical on this whole thing, but, you know, it's a lot of money to take on. He has that opt-out after 2000. This is speaking with nothing to do with the Internet rumors. This is speaking just hypothetically on him. You know, he has the opt-out after 21, right? So you're basically trading all these guys for what you think is going to be two seasons. He's a star. I get it. You want to add stars if you can, and you got to give up something to get stars. But in that same sense, I just I think I don't see that happening. Hit I the, just I just can't imagine how it would happen. Just for those wondering why we're bringing this up, there was a big internet rumor. Twitter was going crazy. Nolan Arenado, who hit 315 last year, 41 homers, 118 RBIs, and his last however many seasons. Every year he hits 40 bombs. Now, granted, he does play in Colorado, but playing at guaranteed rate, that's a great place for a power hitter to be as well. It was out there, and 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 you look, uh, you know, if you're I I I wouldn't do it. Myself, I don't think the White Sox are quite there yet. And you make no, it- and you know, it was, again, not to go get too much credence. It was out there from one guy on a Twitter account who who knows. And man, I will personally issue an apology if if somehow this guy was on target. I think there's about a point oh one five percent chance that that's accurate. I, I just no chance. Yeah. I think no. I really believe Nolan Arenado is going to be the third baseman for the Rockies when the 2020 season starts. Yeah, and uh, Steve Stone, by the way, on Twitter was very vocal that this rumor was yes. not true. And he was yes, confused. extremely vocal. I don't think, uh, <laughs> I mean, I think everyone felt the same way, but I don't think Steve Stone would be that vocal if there was some sort of doubt. I, I, I don't get it. I oftentimes don't totally understand the whole machinations of Twitter. It's a good resource to talk to people, convey your message, have some fun with friends and people you just you know you just met you know that are that are common bond. 
share some articles out there, but I I I don't get it. <laughs> I, I just don't understand it because I just I don't think it's it's I I, I know it's not possible. So we'll just go from there. Well, and Rick Hahn said a, a little while back that the heavy lifting has been done. Obviously, that can always change, right. but I don't think it's changed. he did he did throw in at the end of that that you never know when some signing pops up or a trade pops up. I think basically though he was just throwing that in there in case something shockingly came along to him. But you know it sounded like the Sox were pretty much done. I mean, I guess you could add a bench piece somewhere here or there, you know, if you don't intend to bring up Madrigal to start the year. But yeah, I, I just, I think to quote, I believe it was Shakespeare, right? A lot to do about nothing, much to do about nothing. I'm sorry. Not a lot to do about nothing. I'm not quoting Shakespeare at all. I said, it's a lot to do about nothing. Uh, I mean, bottom line, the fact that you even attempted to choke to quote Shakespeare on White Sox Weekly is a moment in time that we all should remember. Merck, uh, we appreciate it as always, my friend, safe travels to Arizona. Looking forward to reading you from down there and uh, let's talk soon. Okay. Okay, sounds good. Anytime, Mark. Take care. Scott Merkin, MLB.com, always doing a great job. Stay up to date on all things White Sox by signing up for the free White Sox blacklist. You get the breaking news, prospect updates, special ticket offers, and more delivered right to your inbox. Visit WhiteSox.com slash blacklist to sign up today. Nick Madrigal coming right on up, 720 WGN. White Sox actually making a move that was announced during the show today. They've signed Cuban right-hander Norge Carlos Vera. One and a half million dollar signing bonus, which apparently will be made official when the new international signing period opens, which is July the second. He's 18 years old, pitched for Cuba's national team uh, this past June, which is now nearly a year ago, against the New Jersey Jackals of the Independent Can Am League. I apologize, I don't have a ton of data on the Jackals right now at my disposal, but we can work on that. Kevin Powell, by the way, is coming up. In WGN Sports Central, he could be an expert on the Jackals. Let's just see what KP can bring on that. Um, initial workout he had September 28th with a bunch of Major League Baseball teams, including the White Sox. Second open workout this week in the Dominican at the Houston Astros facility, and he signs with the White Sox. Sox reportedly also with interest in Cuban star uh, outfielder left-handed pitcher Oscar Colas. So the White Sox still being aggressive here. That Pete Rose news you know, Pete wants to be in this Hall of Fame. He's looking at the Astros, and hey, man, they cheated, and they won the World Series. Nobody's taking that away from them, Commissioner Rob Manfred. Why can't I be in the Hall of Fame? Well, the president, Donald Trump, is weighing in on Twitter today. He was talking about Rose, saying, quote, he gambled but only on his own team winning, and that he paid a decades-long price. He's saying it's, quote, time to get Rose into the Hall of Fame. And Pete filing this week for reinstatement uh, with the commissioner, Rob Manfred, and the Hall of Fame Museum's president, Tim Mead. And he has picked up yet another support. A lot of people think that Pete should be in there. I heard Justin Kaufman talking about it the other night, a ton of people weighing in. Uh, I think it's a, I, I don't know how you can necessarily connect. Well, the Astros did this, and so that what makes what Pete did okay. I don't, that, that logic doesn't quite compute for me, but we can have a little bit of a conversation on that in WGN Sports Central. But first, let's get a check of news at the top of the hour. Big show coming up here. Cole Wright from the Marquee Sports Network. Des Clark, former Bear, will be in studio. Check of news right now.